we are Adechi Solomon and Adra Adrian Solomon <laughs> Whichever way you want to say it And you're listening to Afro Mythos The podcast where we discuss all things African mythology, folklore and culture Thank you for taking your time out To explore this amazing world Thank of us, you very you know? much So first things first, Happy New Year <laughs> We hope you're enjoying the first week of 2023 And had an amazing holiday season Yes, we were meant to release an episode um, for Christmas. Mm-hmm. I did say it, but I'm sorry. <laughs> we had like the worst flu slash COVID slash concoction of sicknesses um, in the world. You know, it was, it was it was really bad, and we are literally focusing on getting better so we can get back to the content. Exactly yeah. right. Exactly. Yeah. And now we are recovered, back on track, or recovering. <laughs> Some of us. Back on track and ready to record a new episode just for you. Now, the sun has been around for billions of years, so it makes sense that humans who came many, many years later would come up for um, a reason for explaining, you know, that big... That big glowing thing. In the sky, you know. (laughs) So just about every culture in the world mentions the sun and all the different gifts that it brings, from light to heat and even life itself. However, the sun can also be a symbol of destructive power. For Mm -hmm. thousands of years, people in all parts of the world have observed the position of the sun throughout the year, how it rises and how it sets. Mm -hmm. And many cultures have even started or created solar calendars to govern things like the planting of crops, and the timing of religious festivals. Most notably throughout history, humanity has also given the sun a major place in mythologies and pantheons, often as a deity. Yeah, pantheons of many cultures have included a sun deity, usually a god, but occasionally a goddess. Mm-hmm. You know, some myths reflect the sun's vital role in supporting life. Therefore, solar deities are often creators who bring people into existence. Yeah, and some pantheons often have more than one god of the sun. Take the Egyptian pantheon, for example. There are several gods associated with various aspects of the sun. There's Kefri for the rising sun, Atum for the setting sun, and Ra for the noontime sun, who rode across the sky in a solar bank. I didn't know that. (laughs) (laughs) A common theme that we see in quite a few of these pantheons is that most sun deities are male and Mm -hmm. act as a counterpart for a female deity, a female moon deity. Mm -hmm. Um, Take Maru Lisa, for example, the the homie creator deity where Maru, the female, is the moon and Lisa, the male, is the sun. I'll talk a bit more about that later. You will. I love it. Great. Um, However, this isn't always a given and sometimes Sometimes the roles do get reversed. There are goddesses of the sun, just as there are male deities of the moon. For example, Shasi, who is the Berber or Imazain sun mother, who we've covered a lot. Yeah. So with that fabulous intro, today we're going to tell you about a few sun deities in African mythology and folklore. Enjoy. Enjoy. Okay, so I'm talking about Lisa today. Um, Lisa is the fun deity associated with the sun and is known across West Africa as part of the all-powerful creator duo Maulisa. Mm-hmm. So Maulisa is a complex deity worshipped in the coastal West a- in coastal West Africa by the fun and most of the you. Know, Away, away, away. My bad. Uh, uh, as a fellow Ghanaian right here, the way you just diabolically. <laughs> you. It's E-W-E. I was like, ew. Away. Away, away, yeah. So um, Lisa is depicted as a male deity inseparable from his partner, Maru, 
Leads are representing the sun, which is regarded as a fierce and harsh um, thing. And Mao is regarded as the moon, which is like gentle and forgiving. Mm. So sometimes they're seen together as a complementary complementary (laughs) sexual pair. Um, The issue is complicated because the airway people use the term Mao both to refer to God in a general way Mm. or to, you know, the specific deity. So it's like, you know, saying Mao is God or Mao as this specific yeah. God. So Lisa is Mao as well. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah, Interesting. That's Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Lisa is alternatively described as Mao's brother, husband, or son, and sometimes as her messenger. So it's kind of like a secondary character. Okay. I see. Mao. Um, their relationship is not always sexual, but expresses the unity of duality or union of opposites. Together, they symbolize the supreme div- divinity. Um, Lisa is said to dwell in the east and Maui to the west. Um, these two characters are often united in a single androgynous creator. Nice. The androgynous thing is, you know, is, is a key aspect of the depiction that we are currently painting of Maui Lisa. Um, so you'll see it soon. Yeah. Won't you? Mm-hmm. yeah. Very exciting. Mm-hmm. So Maui and Lisa are born from Nana Buluku, who created the world. But we'll cover more on her on a different episode. Yeah, she's a very interesting character that comes up a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah she is, she is. Because I guess she's like one of the heads, the heads of yeah, the different champions. Yeah. <clears throat> In other legends, Mau and Lisa are the creators of the universe. And their pairing is said to be similar to that of like Yomoja and Ovatala in the Yoruba religion. In fact, Lisa, amongst the funds, um, appears to be derived from a nearby from the nearby Yoruba people um, who use the word Orisha or or Orisa um, to refer to you know their lesser deity as, as like there's the creator deity and then he has um, Orishas or Orishas yeah yeah so so the word Lisa is yeah, like so Orisa Lisa so and I'll tell you why it sort of came from there a bit later as well. Um, a little bit later. Um, so Mao Lisa created the world and then delegated and then delegated different responsibilities to other deities. Mm-hmm. So their children, um, which I think we said in one of the, I think it the was the first, beginning, it was the, the beginning first. in the very first <laughs> episode, yeah. um, in the creation, um, <clears throat> stories, yeah. um, we sort of said all their children, but I'm not going to listen. <laughs> um, so this story of creation is similar to, um, you know, that found in other traditions, you know, it evokes, you know, a course of creation that evolves over several days and led to on the last day, the creation of man. Um, in a way, you know, the complexity as a deity for, of Mao Lisa is a story of the battles of the fun warriors. Cause some believed, um, that in times of war, the funds worshiped the deities of their defeated enemies as well in order to not anger their gods. I mean, personally, I think that your God is, you know, more threat yeah. because you know you won but I get why you'd want to you know not anger you know someone else's gods um but yeah um I guess you wouldn't yeah you wouldn't want to be haunted as well so hence why other gods were assimilated into their pantheons as well so Maolisa is said to come from the Aja people of West Dahomey oh, as well oh interesting so, yeah which is really I like interesting that. Cool. There's a great um, creation story about Mao Elisa that I wanted to say, but it's quite long. So I think I'll leave that for like a minute or so maybe. Nice, yeah. Um, 
Maybe the next minute. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe extra Patreon content. Yeah. Mm. No, we're in the midst of starting a Patreon account because uh, we need some extra support, y'all, um, <laughs> to get the amazing content that we have in store for you all. So uh, if you'd like to be an active supporter of us, then head over to our Patreon account and you know choose any subscription you feel right for you. What's the name of our Patreon account? It's Adachi. Atelier. Lovely. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Same everywhere. <laughs> um, yeah, so the story I was, I was talking about is similar to the, you know, the sun and moon story that we painted, but with more of a Genesis okay. creation. You know, think of it as like an extended version of the sun and moon story. And yeah, that is what I have on Lisa. Lisa, lively. Yeah, I love it. My Lisa. Yeah. yeah, it's great. Thank you for that. No worries. So today I'll be telling you about magic. So magic is a deity in the Amazon mythology. So just for um, clarification, the Amazon is also known as the Berbers. Mm. So it's the same um, pantheon as Shasi, who is the sun mother. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> well, yeah, apparently we don't use Berber because it could be a derivative of barbarian. Yeah. From I, the I Greek think the Greek, the Romans, yeah, something um, like that. So their religion. Parents, and so. I think the natives call themselves Amazing. Yeah, Amazir. Yeah, Amazir. So Amazir, who are also you know, known as Berbers, are an ethnic group indigenous to the Maghreb region of North Africa, so specifically Morocco, Algeria, Tunisia, and Libya. So just for a bit of context, they're actually the pre-colonial people of the Canary Island. However, both genetics and culture thoroughly connects them to North Africa. So the mythology can be seen as a relic of the pre-Muslim religious landscape of the region. So Nice. There's that, yeah. <clears throat> so an interesting fact that came up in my research, um, you know how we were struggling to find a lot of information on Shasi, the sun mother, when we did that episode mm-hmm. and we were painting her. Um, so I had kind of the same issue when finding information on magic. Mm-hmm. Um, that's because obviously due to the Spanish conquest and genocide on the Canary Islands, it meant that very little material survived. Right. However, luckily some oral traditions and historical accounts remained. Um, so which is why we luckily have the little information we do today. So big up oral <laughs> traditions and oral storytelling. Keep talking. Keep talking. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, forgive us for coughing because we're still kind of on the end of the flu. Mm -hmm. So magic is a deity of the sun and light and is thought to be one of the principal divinities of the Guaji religion. So one source even said that magic is the personified sun. Mm. So the name magic means possesses radiance or mother of brightness. Mm. Yeah. So interestingly, the actual gender of magic is unknown. So they're either referred to as a god or a goddess, depending on the account. Yeah. Okay. So let me tell you one of the most popular legends involving magic. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Okay. Before I do, I need to introduce some more deities of this pantheon, which is really interesting. So there's, okay. I'm going to try my best to pronounce these names, but this first one is hard. <laughs> so there's Achuhu Kanak, the god of rain. Magic, as I've already described, the god of sun and light. Um, there are other half, Achugayo, the god of the moon. Akaman, the principal god who created the land, water, fire and air. And all the creatures derived um, their existence for him. And Gayota, the deity of evil. So this is a legend about magic. I feel like 
But when I read this, I was like, I've definitely heard this before. I don't know if we've said it already. Oh, I have. I've, you have, haven't yeah, you? Yeah, I think when we did the Sun Mother episode. Yes, okay. Because I couldn't find information. information. Like an origin story on Shasi. So I you said this one. Them. Yes. Yeah. I was reading it and I was like, yeah, I definitely know this story, but I just don't know it from nowhere. Okay, that makes sense. She copied my whole flow. <laughs> <laughs> so we're saying it again because, you yeah. know, if you didn't listen to season one, which is fair enough, then you get to hear it again now. Yeah, you do. From my lips mm-hmm. this time. Okay. So the best known Guanchi myth tells us of how one day Gaiota, the deity of evil, kidnapped Magic and imprisoned him in a volcano. Gaiota lived inside this volcano called the Taidi, which was also seen as one of the gateways to the underworld. So this kidnap of Magic caused the world to be plunged into darkness because obviously if he's the source of light and he's been kidnapped in a volcano. Boom, no light. Mm. Um, so not knowing what to do, the Guanji people prayed to Akman, the principal god. So um, I heard that Akman was actually a god that came down a lot onto the earth to kind of interact with his humans and stuff. So whenever they prayed to him, he would come. So Akman and Goyota started to fight. And because um, Goyota was losing, he does, he caused the volcano Taide to erupt. Um, but the power of good is always stronger than the power of evil. And Akman eventually won the fierce battle, locking Goyota inside the volcano Taidi. Then to make sure Goyota couldn't escape, Akman plunged the mount- plugged the mountain with his body. So he plugged the top of the volcano with his body so that Akman couldn't escape. So it's, so it's either he, you're saying that he sat <laughs> on the top of the volcano and he's just sitting there like he's taking a number... <laughs> Who knows plugged how he up. did it? it could or have been he cut a piece of himself and, and just plugged like, it. I plugged it. probably think that once he, he wasn't stuck on the volcano, probably. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So whenever the volcano Tide did erupt, the people of the island would set fires on the mountain to keep the devil from coming back. And it obviously works as Goethe has been in the Tide volcano ever since. Mm. Has it erupted? Mm, I don't think so. But it's the third biggest volcano in the world. Okay. Apparently. Wow. And yeah, I can see so, why they would think there's evil in there. Yeah. It looks very ominous. Like, mm. It reminds me of a, I think it's, it's a Greek story of a titan that has been locked or trapped in a volcano Ooh. as well. I'm trying to remember its name because he's like one of the most feared titan. Oh, Oh, he's like massive. He looks hideous. It's like evil personified something. Um, points to anyone who actually knows who this is. Yeah. Prometheus. No, not Prometheus. Um, Typhius. Typhon. Typhon. Typhius. Typhon. Yeah, I think it's Typhon. It's both. Yeah. Yeah, Typhon. Typhon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The monstrous giant of Greek mythology. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Yeah, he's... Uh. Interesting. Oh, but he was defeated by Zeus and imprisoned in the pit of Tartarus. Maybe I'm just quoting Percy Jackson now. Oh, apparently he had, he was a winged giant said to be so huge that his head brushed the stars. Yeah. We digress. We digress. (laughs) Back to the continent of Africa. (laughs) Okay. Where are we? I'm about to tell you about Ngai. About? A guy. 
Ngai. 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 Okay, Ngai. cool. Let's hear about Ngai. So Ngai is the supreme god in the religions of the Kamba and the Kikuyu of Kenya. So Ngai can also be translated to the sky. He lives in the holy mountain um, Kirinyaga, which is Mount Kenya. And accord, you know, this is according to creation myths. Um, the Kikuyu, for your information, are the Bantu, are Bantu-speaking tribe of East Africa. And Guy is also a supreme deity to the Maasai, the Kamba, the Meru, and most Bantu tribes um, and people of Kenya. And there's some subtle differences in their stories and tales of each of the tribes and cultures. But I think right now we're talking about the Kikuyu. Um, so now the Kikuyu believe in one God, Ngai, the creator and the giver of all things. He has no father, mother or companions of any kind. He loves or hates people according to their behavior. The creator lives in the sky, but has a temporary home on earth situated in the mountains or that mountain of Kirinyaga, you know, mm-hmm. Mount Kenya. Um, and so this is um, where he may rest during his visits. Mm-hmm. And so the visits that he makes are to inspect, you know, creation and, you know, bring bre- blessings or punishments to the people. So in Guy, who is not always, you know, visible to mortal eyes, uh, manifests himself in various ways. So as the sun, the moon, the stars, rain, rainbows, lightning and thunder. Um, so all these things are looked off as manifestations of his power. Mm-hmm. Um, through these signs, he expresses his love or his hatred. And this makes sense for people to think that, you know, those manifestations would be an expression of God. Yes. Yeah, Cause yeah. it's coming from the sky. Yeah. So, um, so I have a picture there of the mountain, Mount Kenya. Um, yeah, it looks nice. So it's the mountain of brightness. It looks cold. Sorry to interrupt, but it looks, I don't know why, but I expect a mountain in Kenya not to look like there's snow in it, but I guess mountains because they're high up. Is yeah, it really high yeah, or something? Yeah, it's, I think it's the second highest mountain in Africa. That'd be so wild to be like there, but it's that cold. snow. Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. So... It's called the Mountain of Brightness um, and it's believed to be the official resting place um, of, of Ngai. And when people pray, they turn towards Kiri Ngaya, which is Mount Kenya. Mm-hmm. The Kikuyu refer to the mountain as Kirinyaga, like I've said, um, or Kirinyaga, which means Mountain of Whiteness, because you can see it's white. <laughs> Um, most of the time, I think. And it's the second highest mountain in um, Africa after Kilimanjaro. Nice. So the Kikuyu are descendants of, according to legends, um, the Kikuyu um, are descendants of an old man and his wife who came to the present country from the other side of the great mountain of Kenya. Okay. Whilst they were on the slopes of the mountain, um, they were on a point, they were at a point of starvation and the old man went up to the summit to see Ngai, who dwells there. And Ngai on that occasion gave him sleep, um, gave him sheep. Mm-hmm. I, I wish he gave him sleep. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> gave him sheep and goats. And from that gift, um, and from that gift, all the flocks of today are descended mm. from. So Ngai told the old man and his descendants that his descendants should occupy the present Kukuyu country and that they should live by tillage. 
um, that the Messiah should um, hold the plains and they should have flocks and herds um, and that the portion of the Dorobo um, should be the wild game of the wilderness and nothing else. What's Dorobo? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Damn. (laughs) I'm I'm thinking it's it's the land, uh, as in a a portion of the land. Okay, Okay, okay. Are you looking up? Just really quickly. Okay, Dorobo is a derogatory umbrella term for several unrelated hunter-gatherer groups of Kenya and Tanzania. Ah. So it's a tribe? And that the portion of the Dorobo should Should be be the the wild wild game game. of the wilderness and nothing else. So So maybe only only the the wild wild game game of the wilderness and and nothing else. Yeah. Yeah. This makes sense. Thank you. So, um, some of the legends say that in the beginning, in the Bendingi, mm-hmm. um, all the people of the earth were immortal. Long ago, the great garden guy sent the chameleon to assure the people of the earth that they should never die. But when the chameleon left and guy changed his mind and he summoned a bird and Ooh. told him to go quickly and proclaim to all the people of the earth that they should die. I'd never return. Uh? <laughs> so it became a race because whichever message was delivered first would be the one which stuck. A God's word once Ooh. passed to his subjects becomes law. And so the bird flew swiftly and arrived on the earth to hear the chameleon hesitantly st- st- stammering to tell his message. Mm-hmm. And without hesitation, the bird proclaimed, the great God has said that all men shall die and shall never return. The chameleon had stammered too long and has failed to announce its message. Um, and this is why all men must die. Wow. Had the chameleon had been the first to make his announcement, mankind would have lived forever. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. Come on, come on, come on, come on, so, come on, chameleon. <laughs> so I found it very interesting that chameleon of, often play like this role of messenger in African folktales. Yeah. So like in the Yoruba, you have, um, I think it's this, ah, I forgot his name, Agemo, who's mm. in the creation story and he's the messenger of Oloran, mm. or Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, so I just found it interesting that comedians played this role of tricks and why. Um, and so basically in African folk tales, African animals, you know, in these stories often have a point to make about mankind. In this case, chameleons are often there for their transformative capabilities or trickster qualities because you know how they can change mm-hmm. colors and also for their slowness. Mm. So in this lesson, you know, it's all it teaches is best not to do um, dwaddle when um, carrying news of the utmost important or beat around the bush when nice. you're telling important messages. So I just found nice. that really interesting. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, and that's the story of Ngai in the sky. Ngai in the sky. Ooh, yep. that's a nice, got a nice ring to it. In it. Ngai in the sky. Butterfly in the sky. Look up like twice as high. Take a look. <laughs> Do you know, know that song? I know it. Are you doing rainbow? <laughs> I only okay. know it as a spoof. Wow. <laughs> so I'll be telling you about Anyanwu. Have you heard about Anyanwu? No, I haven't. Okay. Let me know. So the solar deity and one of the forgotten gods of Igbo culture, Anyanwu. 
So the Igbo traditional setting has monotheistic and panotheistic attributes. So having a single God who is a supreme being. So monotheism is the view that only one God exists mm-hmm. and pantheism. <clears throat> sorry. And pantheism is the view that all is God. So it considers God and the world to be interrelated with the world being in God and God being in the world. I like that. So that is Igbo mm. culture. Um, so although a pantheon of spirits exist, which Anyanwu, the solar deity, is part of, she is one of the lesser spirits prevalent in Igbo culture, often serving as an element of the supreme being. Mm-hmm. So kind of like what you said about um Maudisa. So Anyanmu, which means eye of the sun, is the solar deity of, or deity of the sun, light and fire. As her name implies, she's an Igbo goddess of the sun and natural life. She's seen as the source of natural life as nothing can grow without sunlight, which mm. yeah, I guess makes sense. Okay. Um, so the name Anyanwu is a combination of two different words. So the first word, Anya, means eye. And mm. the second word... Eye as in... E-Y-E. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the eye in your yeah and the second word um anwu means light so together the phrases read eye of light mm. yeah so i actually found an article by an author who goes by the um name new african 77 who analyzed anyanwu being the eye of the light and the importance of sun deities overall so this was like just an interesting expert from it so they said that the Except. sun yeah they said that the sun is a symbol of both physical and spiritual awakening. So in most societies, people's sleep cycles um, are closely followed by that of the sun. So obviously they would wake up around the time the sun rose and go to sleep soon after sunset, you know. Not mine. Yeah. <laughs> we got alarms in this day and age. We have procrastination. We have we insomnia. <laughs> we have work. <laughs> Um, so naturally many plants and animals also follow this trend. Mm-hmm. Um, so Igbo land was referred to as the land of the rising sun. Mm. Yeah. So many of the most enlightening spiritual teachings and examples in all of Africa have been found in that land. Allegedly. allegedly. <laughs> Can't make a claim like that. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, one place in particular was so highly developed that people considered it to be one of the major cultural epicenters of modern Igbo civilization. This place is known as Aguku Niri. The word Niri reminds me of the book Daughters of Niri. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering, I haven't read it yet. It's on my list, but it's interesting to see if Could anything be, comes be, up. Yeah. yeah. So Niri people believed that the sun was the dwelling place of Anyanwu. They believed Anyanwu to be the symbol of human perfection that all must seek. Mm-hmm. So Niri people were so serious about their veneration of Anyanwu that they would wear it on their faces. And when I say wear it on their faces, I'm not talking about a mask or eyeglasses or anything. They would use facial scarification. And this was called Ichi. So listeners, take a second to search Ichi. And if you can't, um, I'm about to describe it vividly. So <laughs> right. yeah, I have pictures as well. So you can have a look at what I'm describing. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so in standard Niri scarification, the artist would carve the first line to run from the center of the forehead down to the center of the chin. Mm-hmm. They would then carve a second line to run across the face from the right cheek to the left. The second line met the first at the center of the nose, making it a perfect cross. So like a perfect cross across the face. Mm-hmm. Um, the second cross was drawn with one line running from the left side of the forehead down to the right side of the chin another line running down the opposite direction. 
So this sequence and pattern was repeated until the pattern looked like the rays of the sun. Altogether, it took 16 straight lines, eight crosses for a full face scarification that mirrored the rays of the sun. And this was their way of honoring the sun, yeah. which is quite cool. Yeah. So I have some pictures. This is not the exact pattern, but it's from the same um, people. You know, it's similar to, what? you know, um, I think it's like Japanese when they like rake the sand mm. to like that perfect pattern for like, I don't know serenity or to create like a common atmosphere yeah yeah like but it, it looks sort of like that like a the practice of raking is very <clears throat> um delicate and intricate yeah yeah i guess this is a scar on your face mm-hmm. yeah it's cool um so anyanwu bestows bestows many gifts to people one gift is the one of sight so when the sun is out things that were once in darkness are brought to light mm-hmm. this is meant both in the physical as well as metaphysical sense. So darkness is often used to symbolize something that is hidden or unknown, while light in this sense represents something that has been revealed, um, which is, I thought that was a quite cool yeah. thing. Yeah. And that is all I have today about the very interesting Ibo Sandeti Anyan Wu. That is very interesting. Very interesting. Yeah, no, I like the idea of how the sun is linked to the eye and sight. Yes. Because um, I guess in a very early, you know, civilization, if, when it becomes dark, you really can't see. So, mm-hmm. you know, you start linking your eyes to yeah. the sun. Yeah. Very interesting. Very, yeah. very interesting. And I also liked how they cut, I didn't realize, because obviously I, I know facial scarification in mm-hmm. parts of Africa, but I didn't, like I know sometimes it's to do with tribes, so tribes yeah. know what tribe, but it's cool to see that they also did it to do with like religion, religion and like how they worship the deities and mm-hmm. like, yeah, it's cool. Yeah. Some people use tattoos. Some people scar their faces. Yeah, it's really cool. And bodies. I'm, I'm now thinking of um, Killmonger in... Oh, yeah. <laughs> Black Panther. Yeah. Oh. But he had tattoos or scars. I can't remember. There was scars. There was scars. He literally created like a dot or raised oh, dot for each yeah. person he's killed and his whole body was... It was like, oh my gosh, I need up. to watch that movie yeah. again. That's all from us. We hope you enjoyed and learned something new and exciting about sun deities in African mythology. Let us know how you found this episode by rating and leaving a review. Yes, please and thank you. 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 (laughs) And we'll be back next week with another minister to put your podcast notifications on and stay tuned for that. And also stay tuned for our YouTube series called... Everything in between. Yeah. And that's going to be all about all the things in between, you know, all the content that you see and, you know, us put out, you know, the process behind it. And it's also supposed to represent, you know, our journey towards whatever we're supposed to be. <laughs> Full time artists. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So um, the in between journey. Everything, so yeah. When we have made it, and you look back, this is the process. Yeah. What happened. We're just taking you with us along our journey. And we also are going to be releasing a new series called African Mythology and Religion, where we will just kind of talk more in depth about these lovely pantheon stories, religions, mm. cultures, everything. So YouTube, be there. Be there. Atelier. Atelier. there. <laughs> Atelier. Atelier. Yeah, be there or be squared or whatever they say. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We'll see you there and make sure you subscribe and put your notifications on so that you Bing. can definitely hear when it drops. Mm-hmm. And the Patreon will be out soon as well. Yeah. So we'll keep you support informed. Support your people. Support your people. Support your people. <laughs> okay. 
but yeah but before we go we hope you have a fantastic new year a fantastic one indeed and i think that's all if you enjoyed learning about these fabulous sun deities in african mythology and folklore then please pass this episode on to a friend so they can learn and enjoy too until next time and as always thank you for taking the time to explore the world of african, african mythology, mythology with us with your hosts solomon and adra whichever way you want to say it. Bye. thank you